Welcome to Run 12-1 Podcast. I'm your host, Pastor Justin Gowen. Well, this is Pastor Justin with Run 12-1 Podcast. Thanks for stopping in and pausing your day or pausing the time, or maybe you're not pausing. Maybe you're, you are beginning something. Maybe you're beginning a walk or a run or a car ride or a gym workout, or maybe you're just sitting down to relax and you're hitting a podcast and saying, I want to listen to this week's episode. Whatever you, However you find yourself today, I just want to say thank you. And today is the day before Thanksgiving of 2023. So tomorrow being Thursday, which would be the 23rd of November, will be Thanksgiving. So um, I'm recording this in the afternoon here of... November the 23rd, 2023. Here's a question. Here's a question of the day. We're moving on to Acts chapter number eight, the beginning few verses. And my question is simply this. How how do you know if something is or information is true? Like what's what what's a good litmus test? If you had somebody that was that that came to your door and said here and 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 stated a fact. And said, maybe, maybe they said that I have a free car for you parked down the road. Something simple as that. How would you know if they were fibbing you or whatever the case may be? Well, there's other ways besides this, but I think this is a to the extreme. I would say this is the extreme case. That person, and I'm not saying do this, so don't hear what, please, I'm not saying threaten people. That's not, I'm not telling you to go out to do this. But if somebody is alive in that moment, the person saying they have a free car, if that person's life would they be like, okay, now, now, now we're basing your truth off of life and death. If you are telling the truth, you live. But if you're telling a lie, you're going to die. So one more time, tell me what you just told me. If that person was lying in that moment, they're going to be like, oh, hold on a second. A second. I, I was just kidding. It was just a joke. Have a great day. Bye. Right. If there's truly life and death on the line, that's to the extreme case. There's other ways, of course, but that's an extreme way to do it. Well, that's what we're faced with when it comes with Christianity, I believe, especially in this chapter, Acts chapter number eight. But when you look at the life of Christ, when you look at the life of the Christians after Jesus Christ, as we've been walking with them, reading and trying to paint some word pictures for you through the book of Acts. And as we're reading this, I think it could help better explain the truth of Christianity. If these people were believing a lie, if they really thought Jesus was a fraud, he was not right, and that what we're preaching is not truth, the moment you actually threaten somebody and they know, I am being threatened to death, the information that they know that they're believing is false. They're easily giving it up and saying, okay, I'm done, um, and I was lying, and I really don't believe it to be true, and I don't even know if it's true, so I'm going to just shut up and just go away. That's not what we see with Christianity. Now, you could bait the difference, say, or back and forth. There's other religions that that are out there that people die for that. Well, yeah, but they're not trusting in the fact of it being the 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 truth of what the claims are. The early parts of the religions were not being persecuted as we have seen the church always, true, the true church being persecuted for truth. These men, if believing a lie, would have been fools to continue to give their lives over for a lie. And that's what we see here. Well, that's, rather, that's what we don't see them doing here. So 
the beginning stages, last episode, number 13, we, we, we finish with the sermon of Stephen. We pick up now in verse 1 of chapter 8, and it says, And Saul was consenting unto his death, his being Stephen's death. The word consenting, meaning giving approval or allowing or, uh, what's a better word for it? Giving approval, allowing, kind of complimenting, if you may, uh, making it continue. He's saying, giving consent unto his death. And at that time, there was a great persecution against the church. So not only was Saul consenting unto his death and giving approval of it and, and, and applauding it, at that time, at the same time, there was a great persecution against the church, the ecclesia, the word ecclesia about Jesus's called out church, which was at Jerusalem. So Jerusalem was facing this. And they were all scattered abroad throughout the regions of Judea and Samaria, except the apostles. Now, I want to pause and stop there because sometimes we see this in Scripture. Not all the time, but sometimes we see this in Scripture. And I believe these men who who wrote the Bible, being inspired by God, they didn't. They 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 never knew, according to your English Bible, that Acts chapter one eight, because they were writing them as letters. They were not writing them with actual chapters in them. They did not know that Acts chapter one verse eight was going to reflect Acts eight one, as if you were to flip it around one eight and eight one. What happens in Acts one eight? Jesus gives the great commission, and he goes, but ye shall be, but ye shall receive power. After that, the Holy Ghost has come upon you, and ye shall be witnesses unto me, both in Jerusalem and in all Judea and in Samaria and to the uttermost parts of the earth. Jesus was giving them their mission goal. He was giving them, if you may, the model to follow. You're going to start here in your hometown of Jerusalem. You're going to go on the outskirts, Judea, further out into the region, Samaria, into the uttermost parts of the earth. It's going to kind of be like if you threw a rock in a pond and the ripples start off close, it was going to continue to go out and about. So here is your model. Here's what I want you to do. Start in Jerusalem and be faithful with the gospel in Jerusalem. And I want you to continue to spread the gospel out. Now we know that that really did not occur. That it didn't occur at least in an extent that Jesus desired it to take place until we come to Acts chapter 8-1. And what, what happens in order for the Great Commission and the model that Jesus told them to follow, how was that implemented when they weren't following it? What did Jesus cause? He caused persecution. So Acts 1-8, when you flip it, Acts 8-1 says, And Saul was consenting unto his death. And at that time, there was a great persecution against the church, which was at Jerusalem, and they were all scattered abroad throughout the regions of Judea and Samaria, except the apostles. And so the original model was here, stay, not stay, but go. But they decided that they were going to keep their roots down, get comfortable, which happens a, a lot in Christianity. People get comfortable and they sit around and they, they follow themselves and their desire and their comfort and they don't do anything. And that's exactly what happened to the early church. And they were being faithful in Jerusalem. We have read that. We have read the apostles. We have read the deacons. We have seen that. And that's great. But God didn't say, just stay at Jerusalem. He said, I want you to go. And they didn't go. And so God calls persecution, which calls it to spread. We pick up as well in verse 2. 
And it says, and devout men carried Stephen to his burial and made great lamentation over him. So verse two and verse three are kind of like polar opposites. So you see these devout men carrying Stephen to his burial. And I mean, they are weeping over Stephen. So you had this sad, but beautiful moment of brothers in Christ weeping, lamenting. I mean, it's it's an all out bawling flesh. I mean, a fest of just crying and sorrow for Stephen as they're burying him. Then the flip of it says this in verse three, as for Saul, on the opposite hand, he made havoc of the church, literally damaging, ravishing, uh, raging, destroying. That's what that phrase means, made havoc of the church, entering into every house and hauling men and women, committed them to prison. He hauling, meaning he drug them to prison. So we have verse one kind of talking about the persecution, and we really see, I believe, who was the head of this persecution, Saul. Saul. He was wreaking havoc in the church. He was devout towards his Pharisees' religion, thought he was right, and man, did he wreak havoc on the church. And then we flip it in verse four or five, and if you allow me to read, it says, therefore, They were all scattered abroad, went everywhere, but guess what they did? They didn't just scatter for their life and shut up and do nothing and said, I'm not speaking the gospel again, man. I'm not being known as a Christian. Are you kidding me? Plus, I don't even know if this thing is real. I don't know if Jesus is real. And these were the disciples. These were people who were saved. I mean, you're talking, and the the apostles stayed. So this wasn't, these people, get this, these people weren't just people who were, who lived, I mean, literally walked with Jesus, the, the apostles. These were people of the 3,000, the 5,000 that were saved after Pentecost and after Peter, Peter preaches again. I mean, these are the souls that are saved, the disciples a month or year or two after Christ. And these are the ones being scattered. And notice what they didn't do. They didn't just go scattered and said, yeah, this is a lie. We were just trying to follow along. And it was a cool thing to do while we were in Jerusalem and be a part of it. But we didn't believe it to be true. And so as they scattered, they just shut up. And said, no, nah, we're not saying not. No, they believed it to the core. They 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 knew who Jesus, they trusted a complete life change in the resurrection of Jesus Christ and went to their grave. Many of them knowing that it was real, that it was truth, that they weren't just believing some myth or some fable. And Peter even says that when Peter writes, let me flip my Bible here real quickly to it. Second Peter. Let me flip it. Second Peter, verse 16. For we have not followed cunningly devised fables, meaning we are not following these made-up stories, these far-fetched fairy tale stories, when we made known unto you the power and coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, but we were eyewitnesses of his majesty. He's saying, listen, you know why it's real? You know why Christianity is real and why we're not just telling divine, you know, these, these, these fables of, of mythology, of these, of these gods or people who we weren't even around to see or these men that isolated themselves, came with the, up with a story that nobody could attest to. No, Jesus lived in real time around real people and did real miracles and really rose from the grave after they really killed him. 
and his disciples did run at first in fear, but when they saw him resurrected, it changed. It changed everything. They knew Jesus was the son of God who he proclaimed to be and went to their graves attesting it and preaching it. When we flip back to Acts chapter 8 and verse 4, they went around still preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ. Then Philip, it says in verse 5, went down to the city of Samaria. That was their enemies. I mean, it was their enemies. Racial reconciliation. I may I may just stop here and make it, you know what, I'm going to stop here because I'm going to make another episode about this, about Samaria. I mean, when we study out Jesus and the Samaritan woman and John 4 going to the well, and, and, and we really can look at, we will next, next episode about how the Samaritans and the Jews really did not get along. In fact, they were, they were enemies racially, so to speak, and culturally. And, the, and as they're spreading, they're going to these areas and proclaiming Jesus to them. So we'll get to there. But the biggest thing is to understand that these men and these women were not just believing some kind of fake falsified information. They went and said, no, this is truth. We were eyewitnesses. We saw him. We, 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 we were a part of the crowd of saying, yelling, crucify him. And we know that he died. And we know that he was buried. And we know that he rose again three days later. And some of these people probably saw Jesus afterwards. He was seen of hundreds of people after his death. And they didn't shut up when persecution came. And that's how you really tell what you believe in. Let me ask you this. What do you believe? What do you believe about Jesus? If you have a hard situation in front of you, and it's like, I got to choose my friends, or I keep my friends, or I'm going to stand where the Word of God stands. Do I really believe Jesus? Or am I just going to kind of, yeah, I'm going to crumble a little bit here and I'm not going to go forward with the truth just because, or or I'm I, I'm going to maybe sway the word of God, or I'm not going to talk about that section of the word of God in, in fear that the p- certain people may not like it or whatever the case may be. Well, brother and sister, I hope, I hope that's not the case. And if it is, I, I pray for you. I pray that God will give you a heart of boldness and a heart of courage to stand, to stand strong in his word, to trust the truth of his inspired word that it is God's word and no one else's but God's and that you will stand firm on it regardless of who is standing in front of you listening to what you're about to say concerning the truth, the life, Jesus Christ and his word. How do we know to the extreme of truth? Test it with life and death. You want to really know if somebody's fibbing or not fibbing? Let it, let, uh, let life be flashed before their eyes and you'll find out very quickly if it's true or if they're false. These disciples, not firsthand, but saved post hand, if you may. 3,000 souls, Pentecost, 5,000 later on. We have 8,000. We have many, many, many more people. They're being scattered and they never stopped proclaiming, aka, which words, that's what preaching means preaching, proclaiming the gospel of Jesus Christ. I hope that you do not either. Be thankful. Tomorrow's Thanksgiving. If you're listening to this today, be thankful. Thankful that God gave us his inspired, perfect inspired, inerrant, without flaw word, and that you can stand on it as truth. Happy Thanksgiving. This is Pastor Justin Goins with Run 12 and Podcast. God bless. 
Thanks for taking the time to listen to Run 12-1 Podcast. Run your marathon race that God has placed you in. God bless. Mm-hmm.